Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Welcome, everybody. I'm Lydia Finette, and this is Claim Your Confidence. It is a beautiful day in New York City today, all sunshine. And that is not the only thing that's bringing the sunshine today. I'm going to introduce you to the most wonderful woman, the CEO of Lily Pulitzer, a brand that is all about inspiring women and bringing sunshine into their lives after a brief word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Claim Your Confidence, everyone. I'm Lydia Finette, and I am so delighted to be joined today by Michelle Kelly, the CEO of Lily Pulitzer, who is sitting here resplendent in a pink dress. I, too, am wearing Lily Pulitzer for those of you who will eventually watch this video. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is tons of sunshine right in this little spot. I love it so much. Your dress, my dress. We're excited for a fun session together. So much sunshine in New York City and in in the studio right here. Thank you for having me. Of course, so much optimism and confidence coming our way out of this conversation. I know it already. So I want to talk to you about your entire career, which is really all based at Lily Pulitzer. But let's start at the beginning because you did not grow up in Palm Beach, Florida. You grew up in Colorado. Is that right? Yes. And who was Michelle Kelly as a little girl? Oh, gosh. I grew up in Colorado and it was many decades ago. I had a wonderful childhood. I'm so grateful to my parents for, for giving me a wonderful childhood. But it also, I mean, I think growing up in the, you know, really at the base of the majestic Rocky Mountains, mm-hmm. I really, you know, I walked every day to school, you know, watching the sunrise and and really reflecting on the mountains. And, you know, I think every day was able to, you know, of course, I didn't appreciate it enough when I was, <laughs> was that age. But, you know, being able to grow up in an environment where, you know, fresh air, sunshine, and the magic and splendor of of the natural surroundings. It was really a beautiful time and beautiful place. Were you the CEO of your family? Were you the person who was just telling everyone what to do? I always wonder this about a CEO, just a natural born CEO or oh. how did this start? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm I'm the younger of two in birth order. I have a, a wonderful older sister. We're just two years apart. So I was probably the cliche of being kind of the twerpy younger sister. I, <laughs> You know, we were close enough in age that I thought I could keep up with her. Mm-hmm. But there is an age difference. And especially when you're, you know, six, eight, ten. You know, definitely not the CEO of the family, more of the how do I keep up and how do I um, you know, throw all the energy that I have. I did I always had a lot of energy as a kid, and and fortunately that's still true. And I think, you know, being able to throw that into keeping up with with the family was actually more of it. Yeah. Were you really athletic as a family? Did you do that? I mean, I always think that that's what growing up in Colorado means, right? Absolutely. You're hiking on the weekends. 100%. So growing up in Colorado, very adventurous. We were always out doing something. It was, you know, when school and work was over, the family was out. We were either, you know, riding a bike, hiking, uh, you know, certainly maybe just playing tennis. And I do think that, you know, two of my earliest activities probably do factor in to, you know, who I am today, skiing was a big part of my life. And then I was a gymnast. That doesn't really have to do with Colorado, but skiing (laughs) certainly does. And I think both of those activities, being some of my earliest ones, and they are sports where you fall down. 
Yeah. And there is such a progression. You know, no one expects you to be able to do a, you know, back tuck on your first day of gymnastics. You yeah. really start with, you know, the backward somersault and then the bridge and then the back walkover. You know, there's such a progression to that. With skiing, you are very clearly, you know, bunny slopes, green slopes, blue slopes, and, and then black diamonds eventually. So I do think that both of those activities you know, probably do impact how I approach things today. Yeah. Good to know how to lose, right? Absolutely. And truly fall down and get back up, you know, not just as a metaphor, but yeah. actually. <laughs> Physically. Right. Complete yard sale up and absolutely. then go down on the skis again. Yeah, <laughs> yes. absolutely. And I think there's also something about both of those sports, you know, fortunately, I was always lucky. Nothing, you know, terrible ever happened. But I mean, injury is a part of both of those activities. And, and in a way, as I think about it now, today with all the, you know, years of wisdom, I think that the, you know, knowledge that, you know, having a sprained ankle and having to sit out for a meet or the fact that you can come back mm -hmm. um, and do come back is is probably something that I'm really lucky I got, you know, really ingrained in me at a very early age. Yeah. So those were the two big activities that I think shaped my through youth and, you know, really rambunctious, energetic, outdoorsy family. It was really a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that, it made me think about disappointment mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. in life, sitting out with an injury. It's disappointing to have to get through that. Absolutely. It's challenging to your emotional core. And those are things that will serve you over the course of your life. Mm -hmm. I'm watching my children, even in their own team sports right now this summer, and my children celebrate getting fourth because I never won anything in middle school. I mean, I wrote an entire chapter about how I lost every single game in middle right. school. I wrote my college essay about it and then didn't get into my first choice college. So it really, it's the way it works, right. guys. But it is so true. It, it's such a huge part of life. And for so many parents, as you watch them try to put those guards around losing, mm -hmm. you're like, let them lose, let them fail, let them fall down. It's okay. They're right. going to learn that they're they're able to get up. And I think in many ways, that's where confidence is born. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that confidence that the next time might be different and the next yeah. time might be better. And you know, certainly with, with injuries and things, you know, again, the idea that things heal back stronger and, yes. and there's really some resilience that comes through that. And I think you know, to fast forward to today, resilience is a huge part of our, you know, world and fashion and business. And, you know, the whole concept of, of you know, two steps forward, one step back yeah. is still one step forward. So when you're in Colorado, you know, I don't think of Lily Pulitzer in Colorado, right. actually very much at all. So did you think about Lily Pulitzer when you were growing up? Did you know the brand? When you I were didn't. Up? I didn't. And the brand has a, you know, fabulous story, very interesting. Talk about resilience. It, it's mm -hmm. had, you know, twists and turns, three different ownership structures. There was a 10-year period where the brand was really out of the market. I was first exposed to it when I was in grad school. And a group of... Where was that? Where it was at Harvard school? Business School. Oh, great. Okay. I've heard of that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a small school. Right. Very few people will have heard of. Okay. Harvard Business School. So I was at Harvard Business School and, you know, our first full you know, academic year, a group of seven of us were going on spring break. And it was after undergrad. I had worked for a few years. Then I went to business school. So we're, you know, we think we're adults at the time. We were yeah. technically adults. And uh, we're going on, on spring break, but, you know, different from the college days spring break. And this group of women who had all grown up in different places, mostly on the East Coast, they were so excited about, you know, we, of course, did a shopping trip for spring break. One women in particular, you know, grabbed my elbow. We rounded the band of the Bloomingdale's in Chestnut Hill right outside of Boston. And she showed us this pad of 
uh, Lily Pulitzer product and talked to us about the brand and how much it meant to her and how she had worn it as a child. And I was just like, wow, great. Yeah. Bought a dress and a polo and I treated them like my prized, prized possessions. Yeah. Of course, wore them for only the fancy nights of spring break. Yeah. At that point, I had had no knowledge of the company. So to kind of tell that story now feels a little funny, but that's how I felt about it. And of course, as I've now been in this business, so many people have a story where someone in their life introduced the brand to them. Yeah. So I always ask people, you know, how did you learn about us? How did you hear about us? And so often it is a sister, a mother, a friend, someone in their life, a grandmother, someone special who said, you know, this brand's really special to me and I would love to introduce it to you and I hope you love it as much as I do. So all of those stories always warm my heart and then not a coincidence, that happens to be how I discovered the brand as well. And so you discovered the brand in 2003, but tell the brand sure. story because in full transparency, I met Michelle, we were doing a book signing event in King of Prussia. This was another place I did not know existed, but a lovely mall in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And the funniest part was once I told people that I was there, everyone was like, how did you not know about this? this is the mall <laughs> of America. Absolutely. But I was doing a book signing event with Lily Pulitzer and Michelle and I sat down and she told me the story of the Lily Pulitzer brand. And I honestly had no idea about any of it. So tell us a little bit more about what happened to the brand? Because I think when we go back to what we were talking about before, about reviving, mm -hmm. coming back, disappointment, mm -hmm. things that you think are going to work out and didn't, I would love for our listeners to hear this. Fabulous. Well, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. So thank you for asking me. So the brand was founded almost 65 years ago. We'll be celebrating our 65th anniversary next year. And, and it was founded by a woman named Lily Pulitzer. And I had the pleasure of getting to know her uh, sadly, she is no longer with us. We miss her. But she was a very cool woman, and 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 she has her whole her um her own whole story of resilience that I'll just touch on here. But there's a lot more to it. But she was a very very cool woman who absolutely marched to the beat of her own drum. She uh, grew up in the area in, in New York, and um, as as a young adult, married Peter Pulitzer and um, moved to Palm Beach. And at the time, this is you know ages ago, you know, people weren't really living in South Florida year round unless, you know, they had a really good reason or, you know, needed to, or that's <laughs> where they had been born. But she was, you know, really going there as, you know, leisure and, and vacation and then loved it so much that she decided to stay. And of course her friends up here were like, how are you going to make that work? You know, everyone does it more seasonally. And, you know, she just she just wanted to do things her own way. And I think that's a thread that really uh, went through her life that led to her founding the brand. And, um, you know, also in thinking about confidence, you know, she just was very comfortable with, you know, well, why not? And what if? And if this is what I want to do, I'm sure we can can find a way. Now that all said, she had a tough time. She had three kids in four years. She was a bit isolated living in Palm Beach around. This is back in the 50s. You know, but someone said, you know, essentially, you know, what if you got a job? And uh, she took that advice, um, but she didn't have access to citrus. And her family owned a ton of the citrus groves in the area, and she started a juice stand. So the ultimate, you know, entrepreneurial moment um, really, a you know, grown-up version of, of juice press, juice press, <laughs> the original right, juice and lemonade press. stand. Yeah. Exactly. So many, so many people start their entrepreneurial journey with a lemonade stand as a kid, and and she did it as an adult. She was squeezing grapefruits and lemons and limes and oranges, as you can imagine, and and she was spilling on herself. And the beautiful thing is that she was feeling better. 
you know, her friends were popping by every day to pick up a juice, chat, connect with each other, connect with her. And at one point, you know, she was spilling on herself. And this is where, where I'd say, you know, she must have had the confidence to begin with because instead of, you know, feeling like, oh, maybe I should clean up my act and then, you know, squeeze juice with fewer spills. Nope, not Lily. She said, you know what, I'll, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to have a dress made that can hide the stains. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's so interesting. Yes. That's why all the prints then. That's why all the prints and the colors, the bright colors. And, and then some, you know, functional details. She was living in Florida under hot sun year round and, uh, you know, had to design the dress to be comfortable, easy fitting. She wanted to look polished, but wanted it to be very comfortable and wanted it to be casual. And so I think some of those elements are what we still design for today. Mm -hmm. Certainly we're not doing, you know, the, the original shift dress that she came up with, but um, a lot of the elements of comfort in the sun, looking polished, but but feeling comfortable, having that kind of throw on confidence and and polish. And of course, the color and print, those are things that we still very much, you know, are able to make timeless and focus on today. So with all that said, Lily had her own story of resilience and and that, you know, amazing entrepreneurial moment of I'll solve my own problem. And then as you can imagine, some of her friends who were popping by for the juice every day, they liked the juice, but they loved the dress. The dress yeah. <laughs> and They're so, like, I like the orange juice, but I really love the shift. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the ultimate pivot, she started doing more of that, built a tremendous business. And then in the early 80s, um, you know, decided that in, in a funny way, I, you know, I wish she could tell this part of the story and, and be here with us. But in my understanding is that, you know, she really had, it was a mission accomplished moment. You know, mm -hmm. she had done what she needed to do. You know, she wasn't sure she wanted to do it for another 25 years. And, um, and so the brand went away and, and the brand was really out of the market for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then two gentlemen who live uh, at the time outside of Philadelphia. They acquired the the rights to the brand and there was no company associated with it at the time. So they had to really start up the company. It was a true startup moment. This is in the, in the early 90s. They had the brand that had some, you know, great history and, and awareness, but they had to really start the company from scratch. And then I ended up meeting them in 2003, about six months after I discovered the brand. You met them six months and they'd been doing it for how long at that point? They had been at it for about 10 years. Yeah, they'd been at it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. All right, so you see your first Lily Pulitzer shift. You have your polo. You're on spring break. You're wearing it. You feel great. You run into these men. You meet yes. them. And you go and you work in sales at Lily Pulitzer. This is your first job. Is that exactly. Yes. And so this is what, 2003, 2004 is yep. when yes. this starts. And I had done consulting before. So it was my first job after business school. Yes. Were you a natural at sales? You know, I loved sales. I still love sales. Yeah. I, I love it. I saw that in King of Prussia because I remember <laughs> I was looking around and you were behind the register. And I was that like, fits, where did Michelle fits. go? And you were helping somebody at the register, the point of sale. And I was like, oh no, she's a total salesperson. That's actually why I asked. I think um, it was a great, a great entree into the industry for me. I loved it. I did. And I asked the owners of, of the brand and the company, I had asked them, you know, what is the best way to learn the industry? And and they said sales. And, you know, to this day, I have no idea if that is, is truly the best way to learn the industry or if maybe that's just what the business needed at the time. But mm -hmm. either way, I found it to be just a truly phenomenal way to learn the business. There's nothing more humbling than yeah. having, you know, giving a killer presentation to a buyer of a department store and, you know, all your 
I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, you've nailed the numbers, you're feeling so good. And then they just look at you and they, you know, they looked at the line and they look at you and they're like, hard pass. We just don't need that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's just exactly. not going to fit in right now. Thanks. Hard pass. Exactly. But maybe that goes back to skiing and you're right. used to disappointment. You're like, I'll see you in six months. See you maybe, in six months. maybe you'll make a better decision Absolutely. next time. Absolutely. <laughs> There's, <always laughs> There's always another season. There's always another season. Especially in fashion. Exactly. So you started in sales, but then you really worked. For how long were you working before you took over as CEO? How many different jobs did you have in the company? Oh, gosh. I mean, probably too many to count in terms of the number of times, you know, my actual title changed yeah. or I took on a different a different role. So I joined Lily in 04 and then became CEO in 2016. Yeah. And between that, I did sales, I did merchandising, I did marketing. Mm. I we um, At the time that I joined the company, we were only wholesale. We didn't have any of our own stores and we didn't have a transactional e-commerce site. This was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so those businesses were new ads and I was fortunate to be part of the teams that were helping build those. And I really described my career at Lilly as a spiral staircase. It was not a ladder. Mm. It was definitely not a ladder. I have two wonderful kids. They're now 16 and 18. So they were, you know, babies and mm. and born while I was working at Lilly. I had a period of time where I worked only three days a week. I feel like I've tried every configuration of number of days a week between three and seven. Um I do have a favorite, which which I can share with folks. But we'll share it now. Uh, I mean, four days a week is the is the ultimate. Four days so a week, I had yeah. that for a very brief time. Three days a week, it was you know not quite enough work yeah. for me. Then seven can be too many, and yeah. you're missing too many things. <laughs> Three hundred sixty-five days a year right. is too many. As we it definitely turns had out. those phases, but fortunately, it didn't last forever. Can I ask you something? Because I remember reading somewhere that you talk a little bit about having young babies at work. And Mm -hmm. I definitely went through this with Mm -hmm. my three children too. I'd love for you to give some thoughts or tips for young women who are in their career right now. It's a tough time. You Mm -hmm. have the young babies at home. Mm -hmm. You're feeling pulled in all directions. So as the leader of a company, I would love to know from you two things. First and foremost, for the people, for the young women out there who are having babies, thinking about having babies, Mm -hmm. any sort of inspiration that you can give them. And then the second thing would also be to leaders. How Mm -hmm. to lead, especially in this very complicated time where women are hemorrhaging out of the workforce. How do we keep them there? Because I know that Lily mm. Pulitzer is mainly a workforce mm-hmm. of women. We are so lucky to have, have such a wonderful team of women of you know all ages, stages, who have, I mean, they all have joyful, confident lives. You know, and some of them have, have families and some of them have, you know, other activities that are very meaningful to them. So I would say, you know, for anyone who is, you know, considering or has an endeavor that is, you know, something they're passionate about. So, you know, could be kids, could be something else entirely. But Mm. I think the first thing I would say is that all of these phases really do go fast. (laughs) And it was very clearly the right thing for for me to, you know, back off of my career at that moment. And, you know, in hindsight, it was about a four-year period. So now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, such a fraction of things of, of my whole career. But at the time, it felt like I was career sabotaged. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah. I really didn't. I saw my friends from, you know, my peers from business school getting promoted at their amazing jobs. And, you know, I was kind of staying still because I wasn't, you know, just putting as many hours in. And I really was worried about it. And gosh, I wish in hindsight, if I had known how fleeting that would have felt, that, that it would feel today, yeah. I definitely would have worried less about it. I think it's hard to say and clearly I didn't even, you know, take my own advice then or take others' advice. But I would say that each stage is important and it feels like the most important thing you're you're kind of going through at that time. But then, you know, looking back on it, 
you know, looking at a 20-year chapter, almost 20-year chapter at Lilly Pulitzer, it ended up being a good trade-off. You know, now I think today's is, you know, the world is a little bit different. And I do often get questions, whether I'm you know, speaking with someone or even someone that I might be in kind of a mentorship conversation at Lilly. And, you know, I will hear people asking about, you know, well, what if, and in 10 years, if mm. I want this and if I want that, and it's like, you can almost hear people talking themselves out of focusing on a career at the time. It's like, yeah. well, what if, remember, I, I do some some speaking at colleges from time to time. And I remember just so clearly uh, someone who might've been a junior in college, you know, was, was already asking me about how she might navigate her career to eventually, you know, be a mom. And I was like, just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, it's never, you never know of... what that schedule looks like Road, either. Right. You know, and... probably the greatest informer of the people coming out of college for the rest of their lives who went through that global pandemic must be that they can always think to themselves like, I don't really know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Because, right. you know, at our age, we've been through a lot. We've, you know, I lived in New York during September 11th. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've definitely lived in the city and seen a lot of things over the, the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. And that, for me has always made me believe in being able to come back. And mm -hmm. it's made me understand that things don't always have to stay in a bad place, but that they right. can get better over mm -hmm. time. Um, but I do think a lot about that with the generation that has gone through college and is coming out now, where that will be something that they will look back on and realize that things don't always stay the same. Right. You know, they do evolve, they do change. And mm -hmm. I hope that is something that they can take with them as right. a lesson learned that will allow them, frankly, to be more confident in life mm -hmm. and to believe in themselves, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. What was the conversation like when the people who were running the business at the time, the two gentlemen who were running the business, came to you after how many years had it been? 15? Yes, it was a gradual process. A gradual process. If that's where you're going, yeah. you know, in terms of thinking about taking on the the expanded role. It was a pretty gradual process. Um, the company had been sold. We're now a division of Oxford Industries, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful parent company. And they own other happy resort brands, including Tommy Bahama, Southern Tide, Johnny Was, the Beaufort Bonnet Company. So uh, we felt like we were joining a very happy family. And, um, you know, so that was the first you know, big change mm -hmm. and in, in the company that was in uh, late 2010. So I think there was a, you know, I would say the conversations probably started not too long after that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was till 2016. So I felt very blessed that it was very gradual. I had a lot of chances to think about if this is what I wanted to do next in my career, if this is, you know, something that I think they had a lot of chances to, mm -hmm. to determine whether this was the right thing for me and for the company. And we had a lot of time to prepare. So that was wonderful. And I, I don't think that, that certainly did not happen at every other, any other time I took a, a big leadership step, it usually wasn't with that much notice. It was more like a, hey, we need to do <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, and, someone just left and right. I need you to just quickly jump in? into this role. Exactly. <laughs> so totally acknowledge that's usually uh, the more customary approach for transitions. But in my case, it was, you know, it was it was very thoughtful and had plenty of chances to to give it thought. Now that said, I still didn't feel ready on day one. <laughs> so I know you hang the shingle up. You're like, I'm right. Michelle Kelly's CEO. Here we go. And this is my favorite. I can't remember where I heard this or read this, but it was a founder who said that she literally Googled, what does a CEO do? 100%. So Michelle, tell our <laughs> listeners, what does a CEO do? So not only the overarching part of a CEO, what is your day-to-day? -day? But actually, let's start with the overarching part. What is oh, the gosh. overarching job of a CEO of a company? Well, I think the overarching job is to, you know, set the direction, 
really see the success. That's one of the core values that we talk about internally a lot. I love the phrase. I love the the person who came up with the phrase. Uh, see the success is, is something that we say. And it really is about articulating, about seeing and envisioning and then being able to articulate an optimistic vision for the future. And that can be, you know, for, for on a very micro level, we are going to have a great event later on today or, you know, or we are going to achieve, you know, big, bold ambitions as a brand and, you know, make women happy and confident and optimistic, which is, is certainly a never ending objective of ours. So I think at any level, whether it's kind of big and bold or, you know, just the, one hour at a time, being able to see this success is probably would say the most fundamental, you know, part of, of being a CEO. It's a great sentence, see the success, and also just so positive and on brand for Lily Pulitzer. Mm -hmm. Because it is true if every if what you're always seeking is success mm -hmm. and you can see it and you're the person with the vision, right. it makes sense you should be at the top of the chain. <laughs> and in some ways, it's funny even hearing that out loud in, in this in this context. I don't want to give the impression that it's it's, you know, shying away from challenges or difficulties. No. We have to see the challenges, see what we're facing, see what our customers want from us, see what, you know landlords and, and you know, vendors and what everyone needs from us. We have to see the challenges and then, you know, be able to address them and, and come up with a plan and, you know, then articulate it and get people on board, um, which, you know, at Lilly, we have so many enthusiastic, wonderful team members. It's not really an issue of getting people on board at all. So that's, yeah, that's the overall, I would say. Every day is different. Every day is different, I'm sure. Lily Pulitzer is such a heritage brand, and we talked about it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this incredible brand that has been around for so long, and, you know, it's been passed down from generation to generation. The beauty of a heritage brand is that it's a heritage brand. Like, everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. But the challenge of a heritage brand is that it's a heritage brand, and everybody knows it. And this was another thing that I thought was very interesting when I went to the store in King of Prussia. I remember walking in and thinking, this to me doesn't seem like what I thought Lily Pulitzer was going to be. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways that this brand has evolved into bringing things that are chic and fun and really wearable in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the challenges and how you're addressing that issue of mm -hmm. you have a brand that has a very specific audience, but you are evolving clearly into a completely different landscape now. So how do you do that? What, what are you working on as you do that? Oh, gosh, we it is that is our ultimate challenge, yeah. really. I kind of shared what I think the overall job of a leader is. I would say the overall job of any leader at Lily Pulitzer is to balance that constant tension and trade-off around, you know, the, the beauty and the heritage of where we've come from mm -hmm. and celebrating the successes that we've had, the customers who have been there for us mm -hmm. this whole time, as well as, you know, balancing that with the excitement and the possibility of, of you know, new lanes we could go down and new ways to serve our customer, new customers to find who may not be aware of us. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes we run into the challenge of someone who thinks they know us and therefore isn't interested in taking a second look, but we've evolved and, and we've changed and, and we always do. And we always had, I think it's the, the beauty of, of having 65 years of brand history under our belt with, with many, many ups and downs in the business cycles that, you know, we're evolving today, but those who came before us were also constantly evolving. And so that makes it easier, I think, for us to think about evolution. It's like, you know, Lily 
herself, you know, did things it was one a way. And to a shift. Exactly. You know, it wasn't that, yeah, it didn't <laughs> have to be the same thing. Embedded in in the brand history. And then, you know, we didn't have stores. And then one, one day we did. And we do have a history of evolving to meet our customer in, in new places, meet new customers, meet her where she is, see how her life is changing, see how our competition is changing, figure out, you know, what, what the best opportunities are. And I would say, I think there's, um, we've been so lucky that the answers are kind of out there and and they're they're in our stores and they're you know with our customers i go back to the story i told about having you know been told no certainly by buyers at early stages in my career well my next question was always well why not yeah like, i love this brand so much i think this line's great yeah. you know why why are you passing on it or not buying as much as i want you to or whatever there are always great answers in that you know we certainly we don't take them you know we don't take every answer and then turn it into you know we don't follow that blindly by any means. So we have an incredible team of creative, visionary team, uh, you know, members. And, you know, so, but, th but they do a great job of hearing, okay, our customers are now spending more time outside, caring more about their health and leisure, and they are playing golf and tennis. And I mean, that's how the golf and tennis line was built. Yeah. I think we heard enough times that people are like, you don't make swimsuits? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and easy. so we yeah. eventually started to do swim and it's a terrific collection. Um, and then, you know, we always we always start our meetings and thinking about one that we have coming up tomorrow where we'll be kicking off a new season. And we do start with a bit of grounding in, you know, this is what the brand means. Our internal motto is create your sunshine. And, and we, you know, that's literally on the agenda. And so we start every meeting at least mentioning that, you know, this is what we're here to do. We're, you know, reminding ourselves of our overall strategy. And I think that helps us move forward and, and feel confident maybe taking some risks. They don't always work out, but it makes us feel confident and comfortable that we can take a risk because we are so grounded in, you know, the brand fundamentals, where we have come from. Um, so that's a, a constant ongoing, you know, how do we push forward the innovation and respect our heritage without ever being, you know, nostalgic or wistful. Right before this conversation started, we were talking about your children. Mm -hmm. You have a son who's leaving to go to college soon. Yes. This opens a new chapter mm -hmm. in life. As you think about one child leaving and the next child leaving and then empty nesting, don't start mm -hmm. crying. I know, right? <laughs> it makes me think about crying, even though I have a long time until that happens. <laughs> what comes next for you? That's a great question. I, this this could be why maybe I said earlier that my advice to, to anyone with, with young children and trying to balance work, that it goes so fast. Um, and again, I did not really feel that way when it was in the moment, but right now with my two wonderful sons, one just turned 18, one just turned 16. So he's even the younger guy is about to start driving and there's so much independence that comes with that. Um, so I, you know, I, I have a lot of, um, you know, I feel very blessed that they are healthy and, um, you know, have been able to learn and grow in, in a pretty, you know, safe environment. Um, I think we were, you know, able to take them to, you know, on some fun trips, sometimes visiting Lily's stores. I remember uh, the younger guys, uh, when when the guys were younger, we would um, go into one of our stores that's closest to me at home in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, and uh, they would run into the fitting rooms. I would just go there, you know, to visit and and sell a little bit and see what was going <laughs> on with the cash register. Yeah. <laughs> and they would run into the fitting rooms and they would think that they were, they would call them the spaceships. Like they both thought that they were in spaceships. Oh. And so I'm very grateful that I, you know, I feel, I feel a lot of pride and just, you know, blessings in just that we have our health. You know, that's something that 
uh, no one, you know, we all can't take for granted. So very true. I think that's that's what you know. I talked about them. What's next for me? I might have to think about that a little bit more. <laughs> No, so I'm I'm really excited about what we have ahead of us work-wise. I mentioned the 65th anniversary is coming mm-hmm. up. We have some really fun and exciting plans that I hope they can all come to fruition. We have really been giving thought to, you, know, you talked earlier about how the past three years have just been so wild and we've mm-hmm. seen so much change. Mm-hmm. We are you know, really trying to make sure that we are, you know, thinking about how our customers' le- um, needs and lives are changing. Mm-hmm and how we are meeting those needs and delighting them and all those things. I think we have great opportunities ahead to expand the brand just even more recently. I feel like the way that people travel differently and they're, you know, exploring the world so much, you know, I think we have a lot of opportunities to make sure that we are putting our brand out there enough and and you know keeping the brand in front of our existing customers, potential new customers. And then we also have this is one of the, again, blessing and the curse of having the, the, so much brand history. We're probably coming around on some things that have been really successful for us that need to be updated. So it's funny, we were so happy to host you in King of Prussia. And I think that store had been renovated about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's one of our best stores. But some of our other, you know, really terrific stores kind of need a spruce up. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because at the time like they were, this is where it gets funny in terms of my career and, and length of time. You know, it feels like yesterday that we were opening that store, a, a particular store. I won't, won't name names here. <laughs> it felt so new and glittery and, and fabulous. And, you know, now 10 or maybe 12 years later, I'm going back to look at it. I'm like, hmm, kind of needs a redo. Kind of needs so, a redo. <laughs> um, the passage of time, we'll do that. So we, we have a lot going on at work, really on all fronts. Our product line is moving forward. Our, um, you know, marketing efforts, we've really done a lot of this soul searching around what does the brand really mean to people and um, and digging deep on that. And uh, and then, of course, how we sell and how we keep that modern and fresh is is, you know, a constant challenge that I just referred to. Well, I know that I can't wait to see what happens as Lily Pulitzer moves forward. I certainly bought some new things when I was in King of Prussia that I can wear around (laughs) all the time. But I want to thank you too for bringing your sunshine into the newsstand studio today because Joe and I have loved having you here. Even your pink dress is bright in the morning. There's no question about that. And because we've talked about so much sunshine and we talked about this again before we started the podcast, I would be so curious for all the listeners out there as I leave you with this question this week. What have you fallen down on in the course mm. of your life? Like, tell us something that wasn't great that happened for you and then how it ended up being a blessing or sunshine in disguise. Let's think about how we can reframe and bring some positivity to those moments that seemed like they were going to take us down right? and how that all happened. So I would say to our listeners, Make sure that you let us know that after this podcast. You can DM me. You can put that on Instagram when I post this post. I'd like to thank Michelle Kelly, the CEO of Lily Pulitzer, for being here today. To Joe, my incredible producer. To Rockefeller Center for this amazing studio. And I'm Lydia Finette. This is Claim Your Confidence. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thank you so much.